Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like biblical counsel on. That's what we're here to do. We're also here to pray for your prayer requests. So if you have something on your heart, something going on in your life that you'd like to be lifted up to the Lord, along with all those who are listening in, who can say yes and amen to that prayer request, give us a call uh, and send us a text with your prayer requests and with your questions about the Bible. Here's the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. We want to welcome those of you uh, who are listening, wherever you're tuning in from. We know we have people listening in from so many different areas in different formats. So let me start by welcoming those in Colorado and Wyoming who are listening on Grace FM. You're hearing this program live today. Today's Friday, September 25th, and I'm glad to be with you today live on the air. If you're listening in Colorado and Wyoming, or if you're listening online, you're hearing the show live as well. Uh, We also want to greet those who are listening on Hope FM out in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. They have several stations around there that are broadcasting in different areas. And so those of you listening on Hope FM, glad to have you. Love hearing from our brothers and sisters or friends over there on the East Coast. And we also want to greet those who are listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program, those of you on Truth FM as well. We'd love to hear from all of you, but we want to remind you that those of you listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the show on a one-week delay, which simply means that uh, we want you to be cognizant of that, just know that it's the case. But we also want you to participate and call into the show still. So we want you to be totally active participants, calling and texting. And then you guys have the unique opportunity. You get to tune in a week later, hear yourself on the radio, and that's a cool opportunity for you to tell somebody else, hey, I'm going to be on the radio. You should tune in. And that might be a way to introduce them to listening to that Christian radio station in your local area. So take advantage of that opportunity. And however you listen to this show, uh, we would love it if you would Help us spread the word about Grace FM and the great teaching that goes on here, as well as this show, Calvary Live. And so uh, I encourage you, spread the word about your local Christian radio station, whether that's Grace FM here in Colorado or online, or if you're listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, spread the word about your station. And I'd also encourage you, prayerfully consider how you might be involved in supporting these um, stations. You know, these stations are not supported by advertising at all. They're totally um, donation-based. And so if you would, um, if you're being blessed by it, you know, another way that you can help other people be blessed is by supporting your local station, whichever station it is that you happen to be listening on. We also want to greet all of our online listeners. 
you know, I love the fact that people can listen all over the world. Um, we were just talking with the producer right before the show that we have uh, some constant listeners in Ukraine. So people tuning in every day from Ukraine and Eastern Europe, people in South Africa, people in South America. And so this uh, technology we have, you know, has just been able to help us reach more people around the world. And so I'm looking at the map now of people tuning in. And we have people tuning in online from areas which are way outside of our broadcast range. So up, it looks like uh, Washington, Seattle area, as well as like Northern Oregon, Southern California, Las Vegas, Phoenix, of course, up and down the, the Rockies here in Colorado. And it looks like some Midwest listeners, Louisiana, representing and we've got people out on the east coast as well so however you're tuning in today and wherever you're tuning in from welcome the number to call is 303-690-3000 that's 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897 that's 720-336-0897 with your questions about the bible and your prayer requests uh, give you a few words about myself my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. We're a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in this city. Uh, I've been the pastor here for eight years. Prior to that, I spent 10 years as a missionary in Hungary, where we were doing church planting and all kinds of good stuff out there. And I've, I came here to Whitefields. I became the pastor eight years ago. It was an established church. Um, but God has done some great things over the last couple of years. We're really excited about the new uh, direction and new things that think the new way that things are going. Um, some ways you can pray for us. Just pray for us because um, you know we recently moved and it's been good. But you know everything's weird in 2020, right? But we finally moved. Uh, we've been working on this project of moving for several months. Actually, I guess this is now several years that we've been working and saving. And God opened a great door for us in March, which is when the pandemic hit. Um, of course, we, we were planning to do this for like two months. Uh, the move took place over the course of about two months. But when we actually took possession of the building was the same week that the uh, quarantine came into play. Um, but we were able to open in June, and that's been really good. And so we would love—we're open right now. It's a big building. We have a lot of room for people. We're even able to social distance. You know, we've added services, and we would love for you to worship with us sometime if you're within driving distance of Longmont. And um, you can also worship with us online if you're looking for a place to worship online. So your one-stop hub for all your information about Whitefields is our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Our services are 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. So 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and online. And so if you come in person, the address is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado, and the zip code is 80504. And if you are familiar with this area, you know that that 80504 means that we are on the east side of Longmont, and we're actually just about a half mile east of County Line Road, right on Highway 119. So Highway 119 is the main highway that goes from I-25, the interstate, into uh, the center of Longmont and then down into Boulder. And so we are right on that road. So we get a ton of visibility and traffic, and um, it's really easy to access. So if you're coming from Frederick, Firestone, Kono, then you would come down Highway 119. We're right here. If you're coming from I-25, you just get off at, at Highway 119, and you'll find us very quickly and easily. 
Uh, we have people who come up County Line Road from Erie and Lafayette, people who come uh, down County Line Road from Berthoud, as well as people in Lyons and Boulder. And so, uh, oh, and of course, Mead. I don't want to forget you guys. I don't want to forget Niwot. I always forget Niwot. And they're like, hey, we're our own city. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, if you are in any of those places, we'd love to have you come and uh, worship with us and seek the Lord together. We're currently studying through the books of First and Second Kings, right now looking at a really exciting section, which we're looking at the life of the prophet Elisha. That's Elisha with an S, not a J. And he, uh, we're, we're seeing how those events in his life point us to Jesus particularly. So it's been a really great study. This week we'll be wrapping up Second Kings chapter 4 with a couple miracles that Elisha did and how they point us to Jesus. So we'd love to have you join us for that. And again, uh, website, you can find our address and all that good stuff on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. And our physical address here is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. Let's go ahead and go to our first caller, uh, Ben in Broomfield, Colorado. Hi, Ben. Welcome to the program. Hey, Ben. We got you here. All right, we're going to put Ben back on hold. I'm not sure if he's still there. Let's go to Sandra in Pennsylvania. Hi, Sandra. Welcome Hi. to the program. Hi. Okay, did you repeat my question? Uh, yeah, so you're on the air right now, so before okay. you were talking to the producer. So uh, let's go ahead and have you uh, tell me what your question is. Okay, my question is I'd like to understand what took place on the Mount a transfiguration when we understand or when we believe that Jesus was really God in human form and that's how he presented himself and that's how he did his work on earth. Uh, we also are understanding what happened at the cross, but what happened at the Mount of Transfiguration? Yeah, great question. So here's what happened at the Mount of Transfiguration. To understand that, let's go ahead and look at Philippians chapter 2. Verses, oh gosh, is it 1 through 10? I'll look at it real fast. Um, but, but the whole point here in Philippians chapter 2 is something really important. And here's what it tells us. It tells us that Jesus never ceased to be God, right? So we don't believe in what's called right. modalism. Okay. Modalism right. says that Jesus appeared in, or God appears in different modes or forms. We don't believe in that. What we believe is that Jesus never ceased to be God. So then how is it that, for example, he was hungry? How is it that he was tempted? How is it that he, um, you know, had human limitations? He cried. He had to grow in knowledge. Well, here's how. It says in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 2, he emptied himself. This is in Greek the word kenosis, right? He emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself, by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Okay, what does that tell us? It tells us something really important, that Jesus didn't cease to be God, or he didn't like stop being God while he was here on earth, but he set aside what we would call his divine privileges. Now, what happened is that at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus showed his glory to his disciples. They saw his glory, and John mentions this in both the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and in the epistle of John, chapter 1, 1 John, rather, right? So he says, um, we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So cool, right? So, um, you know, this is a moment that you can imagine was burned into John's psyche. The other person who was there, uh, another one was Peter. And Peter actually references the transfiguration in in First Peter as well. He says, we saw his glory, like with our own eyes. And so what happened is, yeah, Jesus allowed them to get a glimpse of his glory, right? So for a, a few fleeting moments, he allowed them to see unequivocally who he was in glory, meaning uh, those divine privileges he had set aside, at least some of them he took back on for a moment so that they could see. And, uh, and again, why? So they would have that reference, you know? Like I said, they mention it in the, the writings, which are parts of the Bible that say, we saw his glory. Like, this is not a question. You know, no one has ever seen God, but we have seen the divine son and we've seen him glorified. And one final thought is that Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says, you know, we have been uh, chosen by God. In other words, predestined. And we, you know, he has justified us. He's predestined us and what he has glorified us. So in other words, that is a preview of what is coming for us in Christ, that we will receive new glorified bodies. And so what I'm hearing is whatever they saw obviously is not anything that we could ever put in words. So since we are so visual, um, so there is nothing that they could really put in words that would help us with our limited human understanding understand exactly what did they see. Uh, they say they saw his glory. You say that uh, at that he took back some of his divine privileges. Mm -hmm. So what would that still mean? Uh, well, yeah, so let's, let's put it this way. Um, you know, so we're told that we will receive these glorified bodies. It says that they tried to describe it, right? But of course, they didn't, they didn't have any real words for it. They, didn't, they weren't sure exactly what they were seeing. So they describe it as seeing his glory. They describe him as seeing him radiant and white in clothes that were whiter than any cleaner could ever get clothes, right? And so these are the descriptions they give us of what happened. And then we see that Moses and Elijah are standing there with him. So this is a very special moment. Jesus reveals his glory to the disciples. It's something that sticks with them, something they pass on um, as part of the heritage of, of what Christianity is, part of the story of Jesus. And so it's part of the promise also of what God will do for us who have our faith in Jesus. Now, I don't have my Bible open, but was it Peter, James, and John that went with him? That's right. Okay, all right, all right. I'm glad I remembered that. So the interesting thing then is that if they saw that, and we know again what happened at the cross, nobody came forward to speak on his behalf to say, but he is the true Son of God. So of those three who they witnessed that, they were yet afraid to yet speak out. I mean, if they saw mm -hmm. that degree of glory, mm -hmm. that still was not, that tells me that that, that revelation was not strong enough for them to yet believe that he was who he was. Well, I, I, I don't doubt for a second that they believed who, that he was who he was. I, I believe they absolutely did know that. I think that at the same time, they were overcome with fear. 
They were absolutely overcome with fear. And here's what here's what's so impressive, right? You might remember John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, which tell the, the story of the, it's called the discourse that Jesus gives at the Last Supper, the Last Supper discourse, right? He says to his disciples, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be your helper. He will bring to remembrance. He'll do all these things for you, right? And so then he says, the Holy Spirit has been with you, but the Holy Spirit will um, be in you and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so here's what happens. He says to him at the end of Luke's gospel, where are they at the end of Luke's gospel? Still hiding in a house, afraid of those outside. He says, I'm gonna, you wait here in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. It says in Acts chapter one, then he, Jesus says to them, you will be clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Then in chapter two, he sa- it says that the Holy Spirit came upon them in this rushing wind in this, uh, f- with the tongues of fire and all these things. Right, The Holy Spirit came upon them in power. And from that moment on, we see the disciples transformed. Before they knew the, the right stuff, right? especially those three, they knew that this is who Jesus was. But in this case, now the Holy Spirit's come upon them and the Holy Spirit come upon them um, is correlated with boldness on their parts. They are filled with boldness as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. So what do we need? We need not only to know the right things, but we need the Holy Spirit in us. We need the Holy Spirit upon us to empower us and give us boldness. So I'm going to I'm going to let you go. Great discussion and great question, Sandra. I'm glad that you were able to ask that. And um, and I hope that I answered it sufficiently for you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got one open line, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Dennis in Broomfield, Colorado. Uh, Dennis, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Good. Hey, Dennis, I'm sorry we got your name wrong earlier, but I'm glad you're back. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I wanted to call my wife and tell her, hey, I'm going to be on the air, that's all. So anyway, a little background about me. I used to be a Catholic years ago, and, and now, you know, I'm turned from that and, and, you know, being a Protestant. But I, I, I read a couple of things. There's two scriptures I want to talk to you about, and then I'll maybe, you know, tell you exactly what I'm, where I'm coming from. Go. So in Galatians uh, 1.9, this is Paul's talking, as we have said before, so now I said again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be a curse. And then you go to uh, Revelations 22, 18, 19. Now, obviously, this is John. For I testify to anyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds, this is what I'm getting, adds to this, God will, will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. Or if anyone takes away from the word of the book, the prophecy God God shall take away from his part from the book of life. Okay, here's what I'm getting at. The Catholic Bible has six or seven more different um, epistles, books, whatever you want to call it, than, quote-unquote, the Protestant Bible. So we're, as Protestants, we're subtracting six or seven books from um, from from the Bible for, from until Luther came, until the first 1,500 years. So by... So one of us, either Catholicism or Protestants, you know, from what Paul said, is, going to, is, a, is a curse. And what John says, we're going to be out of book of life. So does that mean one, one of us, Protestants or Catholicism? Because, we're, because we, we definitely have, we subtracted seven books from, or six books from uh, the Bible. So it goes right to Revelation. Who's wrong? 
<laughs> no, great question. Um, I think that it would do you well to um, study up on this topic a little bit more from some reliable sources. And, and here's why. Uh, you, you mentioned several things in there that I think are commonly believed, but, um, you know, like I'm, I'm finishing my master's right now in integrated theology, which includes the integration of history into theology as well, and, um, and actually specializing in Luther. So th what, that, what that means is that, uh, so some of the things you said there aren't exactly uh, accurate historically, but to answer your question really simply, uh, the apocryphal books that are in the so-called Catholic Bible versus the Protestant Bible. And that's, we should probably clear up, is, is there a difference between Catholic Bible and Protestant Bible? But uh, the, the Apocrypha, meaning what's called the Old Testament Apocrypha, which are, yeah, like you said, five, six, seven books that are in the Old Testament only. Now let's be clear on that because there are New Testament Apocryphal books and none of those are included in any Bible that is even remotely considered Christian. Okay, so the, all of the apocryphal books are what are called pseudographs. A pseudograph is a book that is written in the name of somebody who didn't actually write that book. Right, so one of the famous pseudographs, of course, is the epistle of, or is the, the Gospel of Thomas, which was found in Egypt in the 20th century. And a lot of people said, oh, look at this Gospel of Thomas. It must have been, um, the church must have suppressed this. They must have tried to get rid of it because it taught something that they didn't want taught. Well, that's not at all the case. And you can find that out for yourself very easily by actually reading the Gospel of Thomas because you'll notice very quickly that it is ridiculous. And it contains not only things that just contradict the rest of the Bible, but it contains things that were basically people, people had written this book in order to legitimize their own teaching, specifically what's called Gnostic teaching. Now, I don't want to get into what, what all that is, but the point is, it'd be like if you came up with some different doctrine and then you wanted to make it seem legit, so you would come up and say, hey guys, I found a book of the Bible that nobody knew about. Cool, right? Now we need to add this to the Bible and everybody read it and say, oh, well, I guess there really is uh, legitimization for believing in your crazy belief. This would be kind of similar to what um, like the, the Mormons have done, which is uh, adding, you know, scriptures that legitimize their beliefs. And so, so that is different. So we don't, we don't believe in any of the New Testament Apocrypha. Here's why Protestants reject the Old Testament Apocrypha. And before I get to that, let me say this. You had said that Luther removed the Old Testament Apocrypha, which is not at all true. Uh, in fact, the Old Testament Apocrypha was not even included in the Old Testament canon used by the Catholic Church until after the Council of Trent, which happened in the 1500s, and the Council of Trent was a response to the Reformation. It's sometimes called the Counter-Reformation. By Catholics, they don't like the idea of calling it a Counter-Reformation, so they call it the Catholic Reformation, but it's also commonly known as the Council of Trent. Um, and so sometimes you hear the term Trentine Doctrine. You might also hear the term Vatican I as opposed to Vatican II. Vatican II took place in the 1960s. Um, Vatican I was the Council of Trent in the mid-1500s, mid so 16th century. And it was in response to the Roman Catholic, or sorry, it was in response to the Reformation. And one of the things that they did is they said, well, we're going to officially consider the Old Testament Apocrypha as part of the 
um, as part of the canon of the Old Testament. And the reason why they did that is because there is one of those books in that Old Testament Apocrypha that is possibly um, making a reference to purgatory. And so they, they felt like it was a good thing, you know, as a way to counter the Protestants who were saying, you guys have made up all this stuff that's not even in the Bible, like, for example, purgatory. And so they had this, well, they said, oh, well, it's not in the the Old Testament per se, but it's in the Old Testament Apocrypha. So we're just going to add that into the Old Testament and kind of give it our stamp of approval. And that way it'll kind of legitimize, you know, our belief in Apocrypha or, or our, our belief in um uh, purgatory. Okay, so that's how that happened. But um, yeah, just to be really clear, here's why Protestants don't recognize the um, Old Testament Apocrypha. It comes down to one very simple thing, that we receive the Old Testament from the Jews, and the Jews never, still do not, recognize the Old Testament Apocrypha. So what has happened here? Have Protestants removed books of the Bible, or have Catholics added to the Bible? And the answer would be that the Roman Catholic Church has added the Old Testament apocryphal books. And they've said that we should view these in the same way that we view Scripture. Now, as Protestants, we don't actually have a problem with the, the Old Testament apocrypha per se. Now, again, we do not accept the New Testament apocrypha, but neither does the Roman Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church. And, and so when it comes to Old Testament Apocrypha, Protestants are not going to say, hey, if you read that, you're going to be damned or it's going to have um, anything in there. Well, what they would say is these are, these are important extra-biblical writings. They tell us a history. For example, the books of the Maccabees tell us about something that happened in the intertestamental period between uh, the writing of uh, Malachi and the Gospel of Matthew right, and the coming of Jesus. So they're going to tell you some important history that happened with the Maccabees, and that's important stuff to know. But that doesn't mean that it should be in the Bible. And the, the biggest test of this is, um, you know, when we talk about canonization, how did we get the Bible in the form that we have it today? The uh, New Testament, of course, was developed through the early church, and, and that's a whole different discussion. But how did we get the Old Testament canon, and the, we got it directly from the Jewish people and the Jewish people have never recognized and still don't to this day those books as canonical or being inspired by God. Okay, well, I appreciate. It. I was just you know, I, you know what I wish, wish you guys would do sometimes because I, I would love to hear because I always like to you know point counterpoint. I would love for, you know because obviously you're a Protestant apologetic. I would would love for you to have a Catholic apologetic because as sure as you are as sure as they are. And, you know, and, and sometimes it's hard because when you talk to a Protestant apologetic, they're on. You talk to a Catholic apologetic, they're on. So I wish you could have two, quote-unquote, two experts on from one from each side, and we could hear it because it's so hard to really understand when it just comes from one side. Because <laughs> yeah. as, 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 as much as you're on, Pastor, believe me, if I got a Catholic apologetic on right now, they would be just as on as you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what well, I mean? Well, you know, that, this is the benefit of actually doing academic theology is that I, I actually do interact with um, Catholic um, apologists, theologians in my work. And so what's really helpful, I'll tell you, they would have answers to the, these things, but they would not be very good answers, I'll tell you that. So um, I'd be happy to talk to anybody about uh, these, these, um, these issues at any time. But anyway, that's a little bit of the history there. That, I appreciate that, okay? 
Okay. Hey, thanks for your call, Dennis, and God bless you. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts on the air, we have come right up to our two-minute break. We've got one caller on the line. I hope that uh, they will hold through the break, but that also means we have two open lines. So I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Give me your calls uh, with your questions about the Bible and uh, with your prayer requests. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0800. Uh, When we come back, we'll be answering a question about baptism and hopefully getting to some of your text messages. I'd love to hear from you, 303-690-3000, and we'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. I'd love to pray for you. Hopefully I can answer some of your questions. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Luis on line three. Hi, Luis. Welcome to the program. Hi, I was just, want, I was just calling to see where I could be baptized at. Yeah, Luis. Uh, so where are you located? In Denver. Okay. You know, there's a lot of great churches. Uh, I'll give you a couple that I think would probably be a good place for you to go. Um, actually, you know, the church that hosts this radio station, it's in Aurora, but they have regular baptisms, probably about once a quarter they do a baptism, and that would be a great place for you to plug in. So that's called Calvary Church. It's in Aurora. It's right on Hampton, just east of Tower Road. So it might be like a, you know, might be a 20-minute, 30-minute drive for you, but I think that would be a solid place for you to to get started. Um, But if you're looking for a church in Denver proper, there is a good church called Denver Calvary, um, and they would would probably be able to do that. I don't know how often they do baptisms, um, but I know that Aurora, the one in Aurora, the Calvary Church, they do baptisms on a pretty regular basis, and they would probably be able to plug you into like a class where you could... um, you know, make sure that, you know, get kind of like prepared for it and talk to somebody and then you would be able to have the chance to get baptized. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Cause, uh, I was just wondering where I could go. Yeah, no, that, that'd be a great place to start. If you were closer to me, I'd tell you to come up here to Longmont, but uh, it sounds like you're down in Denver. So uh, I think that that church in Aurora would be a good start. And, um, and like I said, so they're in Ham- they're on Hampton and tower, basically it's called Calvary church. Um, and you can look them up online, Calvary Church in Aurora, or check out Denver Calvary. Um, they're over uh, in Denver proper. Okay, because yeah, I was trying to get of uh, Pastor Louis, but I don't think the phone the phone works. The phone number that he's got on there works. Oh, really? You know what? Um, go ahead and give your number to the um, to the producer. So I'll have him put you on hold, and I would. Um, 
have you give your number to him and then he can definitely you know get louis number make sure that somebody contacts you we'll make sure that somebody contacts you either way okay cool all right um looks like that's taking place right now glad to hear that okay hey you're listening to calvary live this is pastor nick katie from whitefields community church in longmont colorado i'm here today taking your calls and texts live on the air the number to call is 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897 let's go to peter in lancaster pa hi peter welcome to the program hi there how are you doing great good um i just had a question um of a systematic theology book that you might recommend mm -hmm. for yes. um reading and understanding further yeah my favorite systematic theology book i kind of wish it had a better title to be honest with you because it doesn't like pop out that this is a christian theology well i mean it doesn't pop out that it's a systematic theology book. And maybe that's because it's not, not purely a systematic theology book. It's something, in my opinion, better. Uh, it's okay. both. Let's, and, and here's the book. Alistair McGrath. It's called Christian Theology and Introduction. Christian okay. Theology and Introduction. Now, with a title like that, you would say Christian Theology and Introduction. What is this, like a 50-page book, right, that you, you thumb through and you're done? This is like a 500-page like a book. But here's why I like it, because, first of all, I think Alistair McGrath is brilliant. Um, secondly, the other thing is that it's it's really broken down well. So you shouldn't be perturbed by the fact that it's like or, or shouldn't be deterred rather by the fact that it's like four or five hundred pages because it's it's broken down into sections and it's really, really digestible. And okay. um, what I love about this book perhaps the most is that it weaves together Christian history and Christian theology together. So if you read this book, you're going to get on the one hand, you're going to get a systematic theology, but on the other hand, you're going to get kind of a church history lesson as well. And that is what, I mean, it's like one of my favorite books. Okay. All right. And there's one other book I would tell you is Wayne Grudem has a good systematic theology. Okay. So okay. check him out, Wayne Grudem. He's a Baptist, and uh, he's down in uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. Very good author. But uh, Alistair McGrath is my go-to. All right. So what's the now? What's the title of that book again? Just for my Al so it's Alistair McGrath uh, is the author. The title is Christian Theology and Introduction. But okay. if you just look up Christian Theology McGrath, you'll find it right away. All right. Well, I appreciate that. That that'll be a help. So you bet. My pleasure. Thank you. All God right. bless you, Peter. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. And with that, we had kind of a, a lot of calls there. With that, we've answered all of your calls. And so that means we have all open lines, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you've been waiting for a chance to get on or you've had a question, maybe there's a follow-up question you have to some of the things we've already discussed, whether that's the apocrypha or whether it is um, baptism or theology books uh, let's see what else have we talked about today we talked about jesus's transfiguration if you have any follow-up questions about those i'd love to answer them or if you have any other questions maybe you've been reading your bible and always wondered about something and now would be a great time for you to 
uh, give us a call and ha hopefully we can answer that question for you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. As we're waiting for those calls to come in, and right before I go to our text messages, let me just take the opportunity to personally invite you to join us here at Whitefields Community Church. This is the church that I pastor here in Longmont. Uh, we recently moved. We are having in-person services, so if you're looking for a place to worship in person, we have uh, we have a big space here. We're in Weld County, which gives us a little bit more freedom than being half a mile to the west in Boulder County. So we're able to have uh, services here uh, with decent capacity and still social distancing and following all the precautions, of course. But we'd love to have you worship with us. Or if you're looking for a place to worship online, we'd love to have you do that as well. So our website is whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com. And we are located right on Highway 119 in between I-25 and County Line Road here in Longmont. So we're about a half a mile east of County Line Road, and we're directly north of Sandstone Ranch Sports Complex here in Longmont, right on Highway 119 or Ken Pratt Boulevard, as it's also called. So we'd love to have you. The address here uh, is 2950 Colorful Avenue. It's 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont 80504, and uh, our services are at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you. Let's go to our text line. Uh, we've got a couple text messages that have come in. One person asks, uh, they have two questions. Uh, they say, what is the significance of ending our prayers by saying, in Jesus' name we pray? And the second question is, one of my Christian friends asked me a question. What is the difference between Jesus suffering on the cross and other believers being tortured like martyrs for Christ? Okay, so the significance of ending our prayers in Jesus' name, you know, it is not, um, it is not like a, greeting like, okay, see you later, bye. And it is not uh, a magic word, like abracadabra. By saying that we're praying in Jesus' name, what we are doing is we are saying that we are praying in accordance with the will of Jesus. And we're also submitting our prayers. So when we say, hey, I pray all these things in Jesus' name, and then we say amen, which means your will be done, what we are saying is everything that I've asked for I submit it to the sovereign will of God who knows everything and who loves me and who knows what's best. He knows uh, everything in the world, right? He, he maintains it all and he knows what's best for me personally in the big picture. He knows a lot of things that I don't. And so I submit my request to him. It's kind of like saying, hey, here's what I'm asking for, but I trust that you will hear this request and you will do what is best and what is right for everybody involved. And so we submit our prayer requests it's as opposed to saying, give me what I want or else, right? That's the other way of doing it. But we're not doing that when we pray in Jesus' name. You know, one way to think about it is, you know, if I were to ask you to go pick up something for me at the post office, let's say a package came, I don't got time to go pick it up, but I ask you, could you go pick up this package in my name at the post office? You would go and you would go to the postal worker and you'd say, I'm here to pick up a package in the name of Nick Katie. You would be um, expressing that it is my will and desire for you to pick up that package and you are acting on my behest. That's the idea of praying in Jesus' name.
Okay, so so it let's let's just wrap that up by saying this. It's an empowering, right? Jesus has given us his empowering to um to ask things from the Father, which is really, really amazing. Okay, your second question there, uh, what's the difference between Jesus suffering on the cross as other believers died or tortured, uh, as opposed to other believers being tortured or dying as martyrs for Christ? Well, the difference is very clear. If you look at Hebrews chapter 2, um, it makes it very clear. I was just reading this this week, and it really um, you know, stuck out to me once again. Here's what it says about Jesus. It says that Jesus was crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering and death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Then it goes on later on and says that Jesus, um, by his death, he destroyed the one who has the power of death and delivered us from the fear of death to which we were in lifelong slavery. What that means is that Jesus' death on the cross was substitutionary, which means that he took your place, right? You deserved to receive what he deserved, but he took it in your place uh, because he loved you. And that's a gift that he gives to you. Now, when someone dies or gives their life for Christ, they're not um, doing that to cause anybody else to be right before God. Their death doesn't accomplish anything on behalf of anybody else. Like, like you know, when Jesus died for you, that that was what was needed. There was something happening that wasn't just physical. There was something happening that was spiritual that couldn't be seen with human eyes. And as a result of what he did, you can be forgiven. You can be reconciled to God. The wrath of God is satisfied, right? And so God um, does all those things through the death of Jesus. Now, the death of other people, that's more like them paying the ultimate price for their allegiance to Jesus. And Paul the Apostle, he used this phrase. He says, I get to share in the sufferings of Christ. And he says, it is a privilege and an honor for me, a mere mortal, to share in the sufferings of Jesus. That means that I get to suffer like he suffered. And in that, I get to experience the fellowship of suffering, which means that I get to experience a fellowship with God through that suffering in a way that I could not have otherwise. So I, ho I hope that makes it clear. Jesus' death accomplish something spiritually the death of anyone else um, does not so thanks for that question god bless you you're listening to calvary live this is pastor nick katie from whitefields community church in longmont colorado taking your calls and texts live on the air let's go to our next caller lee in colorado springs hi lee welcome to the program hey how's it going pastor just a quick question uh so I, um, i'm a born-again believer i'm in the military and we had a trip that we went up and did some training, and we were in a vehicle traveling. And the guys that are with me uh, from their fruit is, is not very, uh, you know, believing in Christ. And they had no problem using his name in vain and uh, just really trampling his name on our foot. Well, my question is, how do you deal with stuff like that? Like, it, you know, uh, you, you want to stand for Christ. But at the same time, I mean, I, I don't know, like trying to get a perspective how you would approach that situation, like say something, or, and if you don't say something, are you kind of like, you know, kind of like, I don't know, like not subconsciously, but like indirectly going along with it? it, it but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that you want to make it clear, you know, what you 
what you where you stand and i would just say that's a matter of having integrity right and so one of the things i remember i used to work in a um in a warehouse with a lot of guys and you know it was sometimes pretty rough so i, I just kind of purpose in my heart you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go there with the jokes i'm not gonna laugh at the jokes if i don't think they're funny i'm not gonna uh, go there in the conversation but i'm also not going to cut off relationship with these people because i want to be a godly influence in their life but i also want them to understand that um that i i don't participate in those things and um by my attitude i, I want to have both of those things like i want to have full integrity before these people but at the same time i want them to see that my integrity doesn't mean that i'm judging them it doesn't mean that i I think that I'm better than they are. Um, it doesn't mean that I look down on them or, or anything like that. It means that here, here's who I am. Here's what I stand for. And, and I still love you. And I, and I want a relationship with you. And I don't uh, see eye to eye on these things that you're doing. And I think, you know what? I think that people respect that. And I think that some people, their, their initial knee-jerk reaction is to say, this guy's judging me because he thinks he's better than me. And, you know, as you stick around and you don't give up on them and you don't uh, stick your nose in the air or, or you know, act arrogantly, um, I think that you, you will communicate that um, to them, that, that you are 100% in on relationship and encouraging them to walk with the Lord. You're not giving up on them. Uh, and yet this is who you are. And if they want you to respect who they are, then they owe it to you to respect who you are. Sure. I think, like, for me, the majority of, well, the people that I went with were my bosses. And it's a lot easier, I've known in the past, to, like, for my subordinates or peers to say something. So I guess I would just ask for prayer uh, to just have boldness uh, for those situations where, you know, the flesh kicks in and you're like, oh, man, I wonder, you know, how this is going to affect, you know, these, all these subconscious things that, you know, the flesh likes to kind of, you know, the devil and the, and the, the, the world just try to, you know, try to guard you from bringing the light. Because I have noticed in the past that I'm, I'm more comfortable with, um, you know, when those situations arise with, you know, subordinates and peers, I have no problem with that for the most part. Um, you know, and the, the light shines, like the light of Christ is, and it, it's, and I've had people talk to me, you know, on the side where, like, they want to know more about faith in Christ. And I'm not saying it's always, you know, me leading them to Christ which I haven't, as far as I know, by the way, done that yet. But uh, just prayer for boldness um, in dealing with, you know, bosses and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, even strangers, um, you know, that you, it's kind of a little bit more uncomfortable and you, you might feel, uh, you know, a little, I don't know, nervousness in doing it a little bit more. But, yeah, just prayer would be very welcomed. And uh, thank yeah. you for your radio broadcast as well. For sure. Yeah, and I would just say, I, I don't know if it's wise, you know, if it's your boss, for example, to, to call him out on stuff, especially not publicly, right? That's an honor. That's an honor issue. And First Peter talks about that. He says, you know, give honor where honor is due. And uh, another very important text on that is in Romans chapter 12. It says, seek to outdo one another in showing honor. And so I think it's a really important thing that as Christians, you know, that we be who God has called us to be as disciples 
that we honor other people and we look for those opportunities and those open doors. We want to build bridges rather than burn bridges just to, uh, you know, I actually think it comes across more self-righteous if we, you know, are going around, um, you know, nitpicking other people's behavior. Uh, I think it, it builds bridges when we show integrity and we use every opportunity that God places before us um, to to share his truth and his love. So let me pray for you, Lee. Heavenly Father, I pray for Lee. I thank you for his role there in the military and his service to our country and our community. Uh, Lord, we pray for him that you give him a lot of guidance and wisdom with how to act in these situations where his superiors are are doing things that really bother his spirit. Lord, I pray that you would help him to uh, have perseverance in those times. Lord, you were one who uh, was known as a friend of sinners, and I pray you'd help Lee to embody that spirit and be a friend to uh, to these people. And, and also, Lord, we pray for opportunities for him to share the gospel and to share your love with them, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet. God bless you, Lee. Thanks for calling in. You too, Pastor. All right, bye-bye. This is this is Nick Cady, Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. You're listening to Calvary Live, and the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We have about nine minutes left in the show, and so I'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 303 690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. I uh, see a text here that uh, this is my third show in a row. So this is three days in a row that I've done the show. And uh, would I ever do that again is the question I was asked. Oh, absolutely. I love doing the show. I love interacting with people. I love hearing your questions and uh, praying for your prayer requests. What an honor to talk about the things of God. And so... Uh, Yeah, I would totally do it anytime. And, um, you know, the hardest time when we do the show is actually like yesterday. We had uh, very few callers. We had some, of course, but we had fewer than usual. And so that's actually what makes uh, the show hard. Uh, You know, people ask me, oh, isn't it hard, you know, answering questions? No, no way. That's that's great, you know, talking about the Bible. And if I don't know an answer, I'm happy to admit that I don't know an answer. But... uh, I'd say the hardest is when we don't get any calls or texts. So, uh, but that has not been the case today or most days. So uh, we have a prayer request here from Victor texted in. He said, I lost my job yesterday. He said it was my fault. Um, and I would like to ask for prayer for a new job opportunity. Okay, let's pray for you, Victor. Heavenly Father, we lift up Victor to you. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you have abundant grace. And where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Lord, we pray that Victor would receive that grace. But we also pray that he would learn the lesson that you want to teach him from his mistake at his job. Um, Lord, we pray that you would open up a new opportunity for him and another opportunity for him to succeed in work. And we pray that you'd take care of his needs in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Victor, thanks for texting in. Glad to hear from you. And um, let's see, the number to call 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. You're listening to Calvary Live. We probably got time for one more caller, but in the meantime, we will go back to our text line. Um, someone texts in and says, Dear Pastor, please pray for my 12-year-old granddaughter who has shared with me that she is planning to be transgender. Okay, let's pray for her. Heavenly Father, we lift up this 12-year-old granddaughter to you, and um, 
Lord, I, we just hear this and we, we think, wow, what, what a what a difficult um, position to be in as a grandmother, wanting your granddaughter to know that you love her, but you don't agree with the the what she the direction she's wanting to go. Lord, we pray that whatever's at the root of this, Lord, that you would deal with it. You would um, be uh, in this granddaughter's life. Lord, show her your love in a way that she feels it and senses it. We pray that, Lord, you would really bless her, that she would know your love, Lord, and that she would uh, be determined to be a follower of Jesus, not a follower of any kind of uh, worldly, cultural thing. So, Lord, we pray that you would uh, bless this grandmother with wisdom to know how to speak to her granddaughter and how to minister to her. But, Lord, we also just pray for a breakthrough, pray for clarity of thinking and clarity of truth, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for that text, and we'll be praying for you and your granddaughter. You're listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Another text message says, Pastor Nick, when discussing the gospel with friends and family, I've had a difficult time dealing with this question and answering it properly. If God knows everything, past, present, and future, and if he knows who will come to Christ and who won't, why did he allow people to be born that will never come to Christ? Um, people will tell me they were born just for the sake of going to hell. Yeah, so while we believe in the sovereignty of God, while we believe in the omniscience of God, meaning that God knows everything, we don't believe that uh, everything is just determinist, right? We don't believe that um, it's just that, uh, you know, that nothing can ever happen. Uh, see, here's the thing. I'll tell you this. There will never be anybody in hell who didn't want to be there. In the essence that uh, hell involves the absence of God. This is what we read like in Second uh, Thessalonians, right? Second Thessalonians tells us that hell it involves the absence of God. Now, if you think about that, if God is the source and the author of everything that is beautiful, everything that is true, everything that is comforting, all that, everything that's good, then hell is the removal of God, and it means the, the removal of everything beautiful, everything good, everything true. And all you're left with is hell. The, what makes hell hellish is that God is not there. What makes heaven heavenly is that God is there, right? And so this is just really important that we understand this, that um, there will be nobody in hell who didn't choose to be there, right? And so, of course, God knows how people are going to choose, and it breaks his heart. But why would God do that if he knew that people would not uh, choose to believe in him? Well, it's because for the sake of those who would receive by faith the gospel, it was worth it to him, um, for that that means that the greatness of heaven is, is that great and that god's love for us is that great okay so uh let's go to our final caller bethany and aurora hi bethany welcome to the program hi pastor how are you I'm doing well what's up um my question is what does it mean to use the lord's name in vain and how is it that we use the lord's name in vain yeah, so to use the Lord's name in vain means to use the, the Lord's name essentially as a swear word. I think that's the easiest way to put it. If you would, uh, you know, if you use the Lord's name as a swear word, in other words, you're not talking to him, 
Um, I think you could even go so far as to say that she's using it flippantly. Now, now see, the Jewish people, they got so worried about taking God's name in vain that they stopped using the name of God altogether. And uh, that's why we actually aren't 100% sure on how what's called the Tetragrammaton, which is the, the writings of the letters that make up the name Jehovah or Yahweh, but it's almost certainly pronounced Yahweh. But uh, there's, it's not 100% sure because uh, it didn't have vowels in it, and they uh, would not pronounce it out loud because they were so worried about accidentally taking the Lord's name in vain. And so all that to say, um, it's, it's using the Lord's name in a way that is not honoring to him, is using the Lord's name flippantly, is using the Lord's name as a curse word. Anytime we are doing those things, we're, we're definitely taking the Lord's name in vain. And so rather than doing that, we're, we're called to honor the Lord and to uh, speak reverently of him when we speak of him. Okay. Well, thank you so very much, Father. I've always had that question in my mind and never really had a way to get the answer. Mm. So I'm well, that, so glad that you have the radio station to answer the questions that we have. I'm really blessed that you're doing that, and I thank you. Awesome. Hey, it's so so good to be here, and that's exactly what we're here for. So God bless you, Bethany. Thanks for calling in. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, bye-bye. With, that, with that, we have come right to the end of our show. What great timing. Hey, my name is Nick Katie. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church. I'll be with you again next Friday. In the meantime, check out our ministry, whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. Hope you have a great weekend and God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.